If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Thea 2, Predestination, Stellaris, and much, much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. It's great to be here. How are you doing tonight? Doing all right. That's all good. Right. Is oh, everybody uh, up and at them and feeling better? Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. I think it's almost like summertime now. Yeah. Yeah. The diseases are all dying off. Thank goodness. I hope so. I'm so tired of them. <laughs> well, anyway, why don't you introduce our special guest tonight? So tonight, Joshua is going to be joining us to talk about one news item in particular. You know what it is. It won't be a surprise when we get there. Hi, everybody. It's Bejeweled 3. Yeah, big Bejeweled player. I'm very excited about the new update. Excellent. Me too. Apparently, it adds jewels, so that's good. Yeah, new jewels. Shiny jewels. jewels. Yeah, it's a kick in the jewels. That's right. (laughs) So uh, as a quick quick heads up, uh, at the time of recording, Google was down with their cloud services for several hours, maybe even as much as half a day. So if there are any sound issues, do not blame us. This has everything to do with Google because the Discord servers are running off of Google's cloud. So just just as a heads up, don't you know don't shoot the messenger. It's not us, it's them. All right. Well that out of the way, let's begin. So the first item of news for this week is for Oriental Empires, Three Kingdoms, the newest DLC that's coming for Oriental Empires, the game. And basically they have a new trailer showing off. So we've talked about it and we had a show that's very much focused on the Three Kingdoms and um, linked in the notes is going to be the new trailer they have. It's kind of neat. It's cool. It's, It's really different than Total War Three Kingdoms because this one is more focused on the empire and more focused on a less romanticized version of what happened so if you're still not sure what we're talking about click on the link watch the video you know it's very short they didn't really announce anything new it's just they have this new trailer that's pretty cool so if you want to know more check that out and following that we have some interesting news from the folks that brought us aggressors ancient rome now, this past week, there was a prize. They they basically won an indie prize for um, the like the most strategic historical game. That's like it's it's pretty neat. It's pretty pretty neat. And um, let me see what they got. Oh, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. So it's it's cool. It's it's all about the indie games. And it was put on uh, by Game Daily. Yes, game daily. I think game daily biz maybe off the top of my head. And they got they won best game design, and that's that's pretty that's pretty cool because our games, our genre of games, don't tend to win awards, big or small, anywhere. We're overlooked. So even within the indie field, to get recognition for game design for Forex, that's pretty nice. So congrats to Kubot Software. Keep it up. Very proud of you. Looking forward to seeing what you do. Yes, no, I am late. I know. One of these days, I apologize. So that's it for that. All right. So we'll move on to Thea 2. And it got an update this past week. And thankfully, thankfully, this update did not kill saves. 
which was really good because I had a good game going until my party got wiped out. But anyway, I had a good game going. Then this uh, update came along and made everything better. And one of the first things they added was a zoom in and out with the mouse wheel. And I appreciate that. Uh, I still think that the zooming and the panning around could be a bit smoother in the game. Or they could give us like a, a sensitivity option on it. But anyway, man, I love being able to zoom in and zoom out. Because there's times you'll get a bunch of resources clustered together. And you're not sure, or maybe even like, you'll have some resources and some quest tiles. And you're not sure where exactly you need to go in order to engage those things. And movement points are really an important resource in Thea too. Like you really have to economize your movement points. And so you don't want to be misclicking a lot. So I really appreciate the map zoom. That's really helped out a lot. Uh, you can load from the pause menu if you're into scum saving. Uh, some of the voiceovers have been added in it's not for all of the quests yet but the new ones in there sound really good uh character portraits aren't going to be repeated which wasn't a real problem with me because everybody dies but for some people who are actually good at the game they would get duplicate portraits and that's not going to happen as much also they did a little bit of rebalancing so poison is going to be a little bit stronger in the game right now both with the essence and on ancient wood i want to say um they just didn't feel it was strong enough and personally like i've played the game some now and the physical attacks like normal combat is what we might think about it that's not as strong as it was like in thea one being able to handle mental attacks and spiritual attacks is every bit important if if not more important really in the sequel it seems to me so there were a few other little bug saves, or I'm so, sorry, bug fixes, and they're adding cloud saves here coming up in a couple of weeks in the next patch. So Steam cloud saves will be in, and also the first part of their Steam Workshop integration will come in the next couple of weeks in the next patch. So anyway, um, pretty good update. Uh, I definitely like the quality of life improvements in the game i would still like to see them add more tool tips to the game uh a lot of the little icons could use some tool tips like for weight or how many turns it takes to collect a thing or why some numbers are in parentheses and in other places they're not so i i think they could improve their tool tips quite a bit in this game but still um Man, they're making great progress on this game, and I'm enjoying it. I'll talk more about it when we do games we play, but it's off to a really good launch, I think. Nate, have you had uh, much uh, experience playing Thea 2? I did. I do, but I'll talk about it in games we're playing. Awesome. Awesome. Very so, good. Well, save it for that. awesome. Yeah, we'll move on to Driftland, the Magic Revival, and they get they're doing kind of like a countdown right now to their big dragon update. And I wonder what that update might have in it. I don't know. But anyway, they've been doing a countdown here lately. And some of the things that are going to be in the update that we know for sure is team multiplayer. So right now it's kind of like a, a free-for-all in multiplayer. But now you'll be able to have like teams and you'll be able to go each up, go against each other that way. Also, they've set up a Discord server for it. Uh, because apparently there's going to be quite a bit in this Dragon update. And so they uh, have invited people to join them on their Discord. So it's um, just like discordapp.com slash invite slash driftland. And you can get in there. And um, they're going to be updating the fans a lot there. So at the time of this recording, there's three days left. So that means more than likely... When you are listened, will either be live or only one day away. So you can join them on the Discord app, get the lowdown on the Big Dragon update for Driftland, the Magic Revival, and see what that's going to have to offer. Uh, I imagine there will be elf dragons in the game. Uh, I'm not sure. So yeah, a lot of good things from Driftlands, the Magic Revival, and I look forward to seeing what they bring out with this update it'll be really interesting so yeah anyway you were recording this on sunday so you when you hear this podcast 
the update will either be live or it'll be one day away. So if you're enjoying Driftland, I think this will be a really good update for you, and I hope you like it. Uh, we also have some news for uh, Warhammer 40k Gladius Relics of War. Now, this is not anything to do with their upcoming DLC, which is going to feature Chaos. They're actually going to be making a change in their graphics API, switching from OpenGL to Vulkan. Now, I'm not a graphics person, so I can't really say what any of that means, other than whenever you hear something about graphics and they're talking about you know the future of graphics vulcan keeps coming up and not open gl so what they're trying to do is they're trying to get ahead of the curve make some changes and improve the game moving forward so then they're not having to work backward and if you want to check it out and see what this is about they have a beta branch where you can i guess download this new api and see what's going on and there's going to be a link in the notes. It's nothing more than that. It's not a big uh, bit of news, but it is interesting. And it kind of goes with what happened a few weeks back with Stellaris when they said that they're, or a few shows back when they said that they're moving on to a 64-bit architecture from the 32. So here's another studio that's also kind of looking ahead and trying to head off potential situations in the future. Yeah, well, it's just time. You know, uh, technology has marched on, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, the the early teens anymore. We're almost to 2020, and this is just where the technology is. So We're living in the future, man. Living in the future. Yeah, it's, it's time. It's time for all these companies to update. And, like, you got to hand it to a company like Stardock, which was ahead of the curve on this. Yes. Because, I mean, they embrace the new technology quite early and probably save themselves a lot of headaches and crunch time yes. just by saying, look, this is where it's going, and that's just where we're going to be. Absolutely. So uh, our next game that we're going to talk about is Endless Space 2. And you know they have a new um, expansion coming out. And this one... They put a lot of power in the hands of the people, which this is one thing I love about Amplitude is how much they engage the community and then they let the community direct things like very famously Rob, the founder of Explorminate, concepted the Unfallen for Endless Space 2, which is one of the best factions in e- in Endless Space 2. Not that it's the most powerful, like... You'll, you'll always get people arguing which is the most powerful. My my personal fave is the Riftborn, but the Unfallen are pretty amazing in that game. And they let just let, you know, the community vote, okay, which concept do you like the best? Which ships do you like the best? You know, all this. So again, with this expansion, they're letting the community vote. They've already voted on the heroes, the minor faction, lore, and... Now they're going to be addressing the Academy with this expansion, kind of expanding on the idea of the Academy, which is the place where all the heroes in the game are uh, trained, and they're going to explore celestial worlds. And they're going to say, okay, the Academy is sort of like an empire, and what would their commander of fleets be called? And so they are essentially letting the community vote on the title that the person who commands the fleets employed by the academy will bear. So uh, there's five different choices. Instructor of the fleets, Spear of Isander, Lord of Retribution, Perceptor Militant, and Apostle of Justice. So they're letting the community vote among all those. Isn't that four? Or did you skip one? No, that's five. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure. Well... We'll just let the community tell us in the comments, and we'll figure out which one we didn't say. I'm pretty sure I said all five. Uh, Anyhow, uh, the vote should still be going on by the time you hear this podcast. You should have a day left. So in order to vote, you have to make an account on Amplitude's Games Together forum, and you earn points through different things, and you vote according to your points. So... Uh, there's plenty of time to still get involved. Even if you don't have an account, your vote is going to count. So you can establish one there with Games Together 
and uh, get in on this. Um, and while this isn't, this really isn't a big deal, voting on the name of this character, uh, it, it just speaks to Amplitude's ethos of putting the community first and getting the fans' opinions and then being okay with whatever they vote. Like, Rob came up with the tree people. Like, who puts tree people in space? That's a fantasy trope, right? But the community voted for that, and they ran with it, and it turned out great. I think it's a really unique faction in Little Space 2. So anyway, there you go. Something else to vote on and participate in if you're into that sort of thing. So now, uh, do we get to give Josh the spotlight, Nate? Yes, absolutely. All right, Josh, take it away, man. What do you got to say about Stellaris? Yeah, surprise, surprise, I'm here to talk about Stellaris. Um, so we've been living in the 2.2 world for quite a while now. It feels like quite a while. And so um, we're now rolling up to 2.3. Uh, this is being called, so the, 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 free, the free content is called the Wolf content. It's named for a science fiction fantasy writer named Gene Wolf, who actually just passed away in April. Um, and he was sort of a, a late 70s, early 80s, mostly, although into the 90s as well, um, celebrated uh, speculative fiction writer. So this is named for him. Um, and um, this content is mostly some free stuff. And then there's also the additional pay content stuff, which is the, so the, you have the Ancient Relics story pack, which is a DLC. And then you have the free features for Wolf, and that rolls Stellaris up to 2.3. Um, this is the kind of expansion I'm, I'm mixed about it, to be honest. Um, on the one hand, I think this is exactly the kind of um, sort of iterative content updates that really piss people off about Stellaris. You know, the, the big updates, things like 2.2 or 2.0, where it feels like they're really reworking things heavily, you know, those really feel like they're worth your money. Uh, something like this, where it's very iterative, like sort of the human packs that we had previously, or the humanoid packs, excuse me, or where they added some story content to have to constantly be nickel and dimed by um, Paradox for these things, I think is one of the things that really makes people upset about Stellaris. On the other hand, I think this is exactly the kind of content updates that they should be doing. Um, little things that help update key areas that help fix some of the problems that exist still left over from previous large expansions. So in any case, I'm very mixed about it. So very quickly, what the free content does is, one, it sets up the system. So it, up to this point, the quests, um, especially the ones with the uh, sort of the large um, ancient empires, the lost empires, have been one of the strongest parts of Stellaris. And this reworked slightly now, where part of completing a large multi-step quest, you'll get something called a relic, which will be sort of a trophy or a chivo, but it also gives you powerful uh, effects to your to your empire. So that's really cool. Um, it also adds sort of an archaeology system, so that sort of changes how the quests work, right? Right now, if you bring a ship over and you scan it, you might find an amusement park or something like that. Um, now there's sort of an archaeological system where you have multi-stages and you have to dig and excavate things. Um, it's going to add two more of these, the Lost Empires, the Precursor Races, um, the Bowel, and the Shroud. So that's <laughs> Wait a minute, the what? The B-A-O-L, Bowel. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like the Bowels, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll All right. Ba-ol. We'll say Bowel. We'll pretend there's an apostrophe in there. Um, the Bowel Movement, the Movement of the Bowel. <laughs> yeah, really. And uh, the Shroud. Um, so, you know, I've been play- if you've played Stellaris for any amount of time, you, you, from the first question, you know, oh, it's these guys again. So the fact that there are two more, I think, helps with the story. Um, bowel movements aside, there's also new relic worlds where you're going to find more relics and minor artifacts. So all those things are things that come with the ancient relic story pack. Then there's the free content, which rolls us to 2.3. That's the wolf stuff. Mostly basically reworking the system so that relics now fit. Uh, within the game however there is a ton of other things that have been done that are being done with 2.3 so um the big one being that they're going to rework the sectors again and hopefully now they'll make sense you'll have more options for the sectors you'll be able to um you know uh, choose what they have more options choosing what they focus on and what they do um, more options to sort of determine how much or how little you want to rely on the sectors uh, and things like that. Uh, this is 
probably good. I, you know, it needs it. So Sector needs it. Um, but whether or not it's really going to fix it or you're going to be complaining about the AI or not, uh, we'll find out. Um, there's also more things to do with designating planets. So you can set a planet to be industrial or set a planet to be more um, economic based uh, and also more choices how you automate them. That A lot of that goes into the sector stuff. And then they also made some changes to megastructure. So if you go to the, um, the developer diary uh, now, it gives you a whole change log there of everything they're doing. As usual, there's just a ton of stuff in there. There's AI updates, there's bug fixes, there's interface upgrades, all those things. Um, and then the DLC is coming uh, June 4th, which means that by the time you're hearing my dulcet tones, you will be able to update Stellaris to 2.3 and purchase um, the new story pack. And before I looked at the cost of the story pack, Mm -hmm. And I, I said to myself in my head, I said, how for this experience? So I didn't look at the price. I just did it off the top of my head based on you know, my years and years of looking at Steam prices. And my thought was, you know what? If they priced it at $4.99, I think that's fair. They priced it at $9.99. Wow. To me, that's a little rich. That's asking a lot. The problem, of course, is that with Stellaris, again, one of the biggest changes that you're getting with 2.3 is that they're changing the system to work with the relics. Well, if you don't buy the stupid relics DLC, then you're just going to have broken content. Now, obviously, they do their best to you know, sort of smooth it out so it's not completely broken if you don't have the DLC. But I get the feeling you're going to miss this. I get the feeling that if you don't have it, you're going to notice that you don't have that content. Um, so it's kind of a... I don't know. I'll say a word, and if I can't say the word, then then I apologize. We can bleep me or something. But I think it's kind of a dick move, to be honest. Um, I, I don't love. I love the content that they're doing. I love the fact that it's more story. I think the relics are a really interesting mechanic that it feels like it fits within Solaris. I'm already really excited to try them out. I think they'll be really rewarding. I think it's really smart. Um, obviously, the other things that are coming in 2.3 are all really necessary things that are good quality of life. I don't love how much they're asking me to pay for it well i i can't i don't know i can't speak as to that but i know that they uh on twitter this past week they revealed that there's a new portrait also added so there's some additional artwork Yay, that they're adding in the, hey look i'm not sitting in judgment of anything no, and look I, just, I, I i kind of am being a jerk too because i'm complaining about the thing them to do mm -hmm. right i want this is the kind of updates that i feel like they should be doing Right. Where they, uh, right. You know, they fix a system that doesn't work. They add some little things that, you know, you might not even notice if you haven't played in a while, but that overall make the experience far richer rather than just ripping the guts out of the game and then reorganizing them and see how they look. Right. So, so I'm Josh, not on both sides of my mouth. I admit that. Josh, let me ask if you don't buy the relics pack, but you buy this. Well, you're getting they... 2.3 for free. Okay. So will the the AI get the benefits of relics while you don't? No. Okay. So the game is just going to be weird then. I think so. In a bad that, way, not weird in the good way where we want to keep Stellaris weird. And I'm glad you brought up my my catchphrase for Stellaris. that does my heart good. <laughs> so, well, here's the thing. So you are getting relics. Everybody like you, the AI. If you're not buying the ancient relics, you're still going to get a couple of free relics yeah. it's just you're not going to have all the relics you're not going to have all of the versatility that they will add because there's quite a few of them and some of them yes. add some really crazy bonuses so you which you, what you're kind of getting is you're getting a light version of the full experience now here's something for so i think a good example actually sorry to cut you off no i think fine. a good example of this did with the ascension perks Mm -hmm. You could collect all the points and you could get the different the different areas and get the bonuses that came with them. But if you mm -hmm. didn't get the DLC, you didn't get the big Ascension perks. Mm -hmm. So you missed out on the major powers. And so like the top, it was like the top part of the system had been ripped off. Yeah. And so I think this is a similar thing. Yes, you will get some relics, but right. you won't get the good ones. You'll feel like sort of you're missing a piece of the story, like the back end of the book was taken out before you... Right. Well, here's so what I was going to say is here's something that Paradox can look at and consider for the future. There are, um, I'm going to use Creative Assembly and I'm going to talk about the Total War games, more specifically the Total War Warhammer games. So, so let's say um, you bought the game and you only bought one or two of the DLCs. You would still face 
let's say one of the DLCs you didn't buy was uh, when they added one of the major factions, right? They, right, so they, they had the elves or whatever. And, uh, the wood like elves, that, I think it was, uh, I don't think it was wood elves. I think it was dark elves or something like that. Sure, sure. And Skaven. So yeah, within yeah. your campaign, you could still face the dark elves in Skaven. Not still could. You will face the dark elves in Skaven. You just can't play as them. So right. you're still getting the experience. That, I think, is what Troy was asking is, is this going to be what happens? Will the AI get these super powerful relics and you get and these middling ones and you're constantly on the receiving end of the tender affectations of the AI? So you My will, that's not the that case. That yeah. My understanding is that that's not the case and that if they're either in your game and every Right. And the, the, the other precursor empires won't be there if you don't buy the DLC either, etc., etc., etc. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Josh. Yep. For telling us about that, so we're gonna. Go back to my cave. Let me know if you need anything. Oh man, please chime in whenever you feel <laughs> like it. Uh, I always enjoy your insight, and that's not just lip service. That's the honest truth. Thank you, sir. But we're gonna skip over to predestination now. And normally, like when Nate assigns me predestination, I groan a little bit because their updates are often ten to twenty pages long. And it is an enormous amount to absorb. This time, they kept it rather succinct, and I'm thankful for that. So the first thing that they've updated is the ship models. And now all the different ship models are in the game, and thank goodness for that. Because the models that were in the game, I I think they were for the United Empires, and it's very industrial-looking very generic what you would expect a spaceship to actually look like if human beings had to build spaceships and now in the game are a bunch of more organic and geometric figures um designs that kind of tickle the imagination rather than something that looks like a factory out in space so the ship models are are in as of let's see when did they release may 31st so Man, I'm and I'm thankful. I was getting sick of seeing the same kind of white and gray with blue accent looking spaceships. They were boring. Um, they started with the most dull uh, ship models that they could have, and now there's these really interesting, exciting ones that look almost look like they maybe have feathers or antennas. These these other ship designs are much more interesting uh, for everyone. So, in addition to that, they're also starting to implement their story missions. So, the Zlok, which is the aquatic race, and the United Colonies, which is like the technologically advanced humans, I would say, have their story missions in. And coming soon are the Renegades, which are the more, um, I don't want to say steampunk, but the more like cyberpunk expan- uh, faction for the game. And the Starforge, which is like the robot faction of the game, are going to get their story missions in an upcoming update. So uh, I actually think the Zlock and United Colonies are the more interesting factions of the game, so I'm glad they got their story missions first. Uh, and maybe the story missions for the Republic and Starforge, which normally I really like robot factions in space 4X games, but in in Predestination, I really prefer the United Colonies. Anyway, the other ones are going to get their, up, their story updates soon. Um, they rebalanced uh, Ancient Ruins, and made them a little bit more powerful because, honestly, it wasn't worth your time to explore those when you played the game. And now that they've rebalanced them, I think they will yield better rewards for doing so, for going out of your way to do that. So I'm glad those got a look as well. In addition, uh, there's an awful lot of bug fixes. Left-handed mouse support was added, which is pretty cool. I I don't see a lot of games talk about that. Maybe they go ahead and support it. And they just don't make a big deal out of it, but I don't, I don't remember seeing that for too many games. So left-handed mouse support for predestination is in. Also, um, they rebalanced the way taxes work, and that really needed a look because generating credits in predestination, I think, was hard. They had an opportunity to do something really different 
where you could sell your excess supplies like metal, energy, and food to really make income for your empire. But I don't know. They seem a little gun-shy when it comes to that. I wish they had really embraced that part of the game and made that the crux of the economy rather than taxes, which is what so many other games have done. Anyhow, taxes have been rebalanced where they'll yield a little bit more money and not create as much unrest, which was pretty necessary the game. I, they, I don't think they have their economy right, so maybe this update will help. Uh, in addition to that... Um, single play, single player missions now correctly update their progress on the score screen and the bugs with the ship designer have been resolved, which wasn't a real problem. I don't think they were minor bugs when I experienced them. So they fixed those anyway. So anyhow, um, a pretty good update for predestination, which is a master of Orion two spiritual successor, uh, Micromanagement extra included for those who are into managing every aspect of their empire right down to yeah. where you place the apartment buildings for your people. Every every bit of my new... Uh, it, if you want to manage like every little thing, Predestination lets you do that. It, I mean, I, I can't imagine a game allowing you to micromanage more than this one. So anyway, it's all set. Um... And I just did it. I wanted also to mention that their scenarios for the game are kind of fun. Like the scenario missions, I enjoy more than p playing like just a, a skirmish game. So those aren't those aren't too bad as far as a diversion goes. So you might consider Predestination. It's like it's a worthy Master of Orion two successor. It's not as flashy as like Endless Space two. Can't compete with that. But if you're looking for something that kind of captures what gaming was like back in the 90s, this isn't too bad. Not too bad at all, in my opinion. All right. Uh, well, yeah. Nate, you want to you wanna go on from there? I yeah, do. go I ahead. I have a go question ahead. for you first. So you have games like Distant Worlds Universe, uh, Dominions 5, and now you have Predestination. These are games that are getting crazy amount of support, right? Thea, Thea 2 if, or Thea as well, if you want to think about it. There are very small games, you know, that are made by small studios that are getting crazy support. Do you think Predestination is going to be able to break out like some of the other titles that I had mentioned? Or is it going to stay kind of, you know, in the periphery? I think it's pretty tough for any game to break out right now. Um, you're going to talk a little bit about a Battletech game. Mm -hmm. You know, um, licensing is starting to work its way into the Forex and strategy game uh, genre where it didn't used to be. So you have Gladius, you have um, Battletech competing in this space now. Also, the you have established titles like and the Endless series. Mm -hmm. um, that's sucking a lot of oxygen out of there. Uh, Stellaris is always an option. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just feel like... And, and then you just have like the Steam spam, right? Like There's just so many games out on Steam. How does some new game like capture attention? Especially when the, the new game doesn't have a licensed intellectual property like Warhammer, let's say, or Battletech or uh, Star Trek or Star Wars, something like that. And mm -hmm. it's not really offering anything new as far as mechanics go, like anything really bizarre or strange. Like take something like uh, Star Drive 2 mm -hmm. with its really unique diplomacy. Like Predestination doesn't have anything in it that is that unusual mm -hmm. for a Space 4X game. See, I think so, that a lot of that can be accomplished with setting. Like, oh, if you you don't have to iterate at all on mechanics or gameplay, and just pick a setting that hasn't been done yet, that isn't historic space or fantasy. And I think that would be huge. I think that would be the difference maker right there. Honestly, Josh, you are a hundred percent correct. Uh, I really wish that some of these developers would choose steampunk or we got some decent post-apocalyptic now i would consider yeah. gladius post-apocalyptic uh planet fall 
Age Even of Wonders what Oriental Planet Empires Fall. did, where they took a history, a history, yeah. but they picked a very specific part of history, I think helped set them apart. But yeah, it, it yeah. seems like the, the bar is pretty low. You don't really have to iterate all that much. You have to invent or be that inventive and just pick something that had, I don't know, do Wild West. There you go. That would be a good one. Like, uh, you you got to use locomotives. Right. You have to um, in a new part of, you know, Oregon or whatever. There's Maybe there's gold there. You know, you could do it. There's plenty of, you know, uh, and it, it would differentiate. You wouldn't really have to be creative. You really wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, massive cattle ranches. Um, yes. Yeah, all that stuff. So, yeah, Old West would work. The, the American West would really work. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, Nate, I just don't see predestination breaking out because of Steam spam, and it's not weird enough. It's not weird enough to capture people's imaginations. So, yeah. uh, nowadays... Shadow has always been the one that I point out. That's a really good game. It is. That's You're absolutely really correct. really good game, and no one's playing it because it's more space. Yeah, I, I think you got to do something that's weird. You got to have a licensed intellectual property, or you have to develop a really strong community with it, like um, yeah. Driftlands has done. Yep. So, in uh, Thea has done. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure Thea two. It's really interesting about Thea two. We'll take. You know what? I'll t- remind me Nate to talk about uh, how Thea two is breaking out when we get to games we're playing. Can you do that? Okay. Sure, sure thing. All right, awesome. Go ahead and uh, tell us about Battletech. All right, so um, Battletech, the game that pulled me away from XCOM last year, uh, just is um, at the time of recording, the new um, DLC for Urban Warfare is not quite out yet, but by the time you hear it, it will be, and I got an advanced copy of it. Speaking of just real quick advanced copies, we got we got one for Ancient Relics that went to Mark, so he's going to be doing a video or videos. That's going to be up to him what he ends up doing for YouTube. So stay tuned for that. It's coming in the near future, and we'll have uh, we'll get more keys for other coverage as well. But like with Stellaris, you know, there's so much stuff. We're just going to do it every couple of releases. But anyways, getting back to BattleTech, so. This is the second of the three of the three announced um, DLC slash expansions it's getting, Urban Warfare. And just like it sounds, and I've spoken about it before, basically they're adding mega cities to the campaign and to the um, career mode and to multiplayer. So you're no longer just going to be fighting in the outskirts with just a few structures. Now you're fighting in a city. You have, uh, you know, everything that comes with that. You, you know, uh, jumping mechs. Well, you could jump before. It's just now you jumping on building, and if the building takes damage, you coll- you it'll collapse, and you on top of it collapse. You know, so you take. That's damage. fantastic! I'm so glad they're implementing that. That's cool. And another thing they're doing is so here's something that really bugged me about the you know the game at release, and even with the first DLC flashpoint was that there was no um, when you fire your weapon if you miss. Nobody else around you will risk for being hit. So there's no strafing fire or indirect fire or whatever. You know, basically you were firing and either you hit your target or you didn't. Even though it looked like you were hitting other mechs, they weren't really getting hit. Well, that isn't the case anymore. So if you're you're using a particular weapon and you're aiming for a mech and you miss the mech, and if there are other mechs in the vicinities that are in the line of fire, they're going to take potentially damage. They're potentially going to take damage. This is especially important when you're dealing with buildings. So that's another mechanism, and they they added a few mission types. They are, I mean, I've spoken about it before. What's different is, is that having gotten the advanced copy, I've gotten to play it. Now, I'm not going to talk about it here. I'll talk about it later on in the games we're playing. But all I have to say is, if you like Battletech, the you know Paradox's version, actually Hairbrained Schemes version, as published by Paradox, if you're enjoying it, which I am tremendously, this is more goodness. But if you have an issue with the way the the reinforcement mechanic works and some of the hit miss and some of the randomness, you're going to be very happy because there's some serious unfairness going on. And I suspect that in the near future, they're going to have to do quite a bit of changes like balance-wise because I encountered a few situations where made me just <clears throat> utter some serious profanities. <clears throat> so 
but I'll talk about that a little bit later. And with that, we are done with the main set of news. This week, we're in the what is section. We're talking about a game called the Video Game Machine. Now, this is a new mach- this is a new title from Start Off. Now, I I don't know if I can call it a title. This is a Essentially, you're making your own games. It's almost like you're getting a tool set and you get to make your own games. And um, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it any better than um, my son has this. Um, it's like a little little box, little Android box. And within it, you learn how to code. But part of the coding process is you have these, you have these uh, sets. And as you complete them, these modules, as you complete them, you can basically make a game. And as you're learning to code, you're playing a game. As you're playing a game, you're learning how to code. So it's kind of, you know, this back and forth. Now, I don't know if the video game machine is like that, <clears throat> but it definitely looks real neat. It looks like a lot of different side scrollers or uh, maybe like, you know, classic RPGs or things like that. So you can make a game, you can play the game, and then you can share it. Now, this is in... Uh, out of their founders program so it's not on steam yet i have no idea when it's coming to steam but it looks really neat i'm gonna have uh, we're gonna have a link to this check it out this might be the kind of thing that you know our listeners have just tired of 4x strategy and they just want something a little bit different this might be that game because it looks really neat i'm sure you know once once i get access to it i'm gonna let my son mess around with it and i know the kind of games he's gonna be playing or making or just enjoying so it does look really cool I think that's I think that's all the news we have. So let's talk about games we're playing. And Troy, isn't I think it's a reminder, didn't you want to say something about Thea 2? Yeah, so I've been playing a lot of Thea 2 this week. And in fact, give me just a second, I'll tell you how much. So I finally had time to play it. Yeah, I've played something like um, 11 hours of Thea 2 this week. And each time my party has been totally wiped out. Uh... Which is disappointing. So I've struggled with it a bit. Anyhow, um, I've enjoyed it. It's a great game. It's it is an improvement on the original. I think it's better than the original. But the interesting thing is, I follow it on Steam charts. You know, I used to write all those articles about the statistics. Yep. yep. Of the games, and the interesting thing is the. Total concurrent players, like the spikes for Thea 2, have not been anywhere near as high as they were for Thea 1. Not even close. But the average players, like the number of people playing the game daily, has been much better at launch for Thea 2 than for Thea 1. So I'm I'm not sure necessarily how to interpret that other than... The people who are playing Thea 2 seem to genuinely be enjoying it quite a bit because they're sticking with it. Uh, even though Thea 2 hasn't perhaps captured the number of eyeballs that Thea 1 did when it came out. And that might be the type of thing I was talking about with Predestination earlier, Nate, which is what triggered it in my mind, is that discovery on Steam has become very difficult. And that if developers want to succeed on Steam, it takes more than having a good game. It takes more than having a bug-free game. It takes a lot of legwork to build a community that's going to be interested in your game. And you have to do that in channels that are outside Steam. I don't think Steam is really very helpful anymore. I think developers need to look outside of Steam to build interest in their games and then, you know, drive them towards Steam or Humble Bundle or wherever it is they're looking to sell their game because the free advertising, essentially free advertising that Steam used to give you isn't there anymore. I remember when um, Worlds of Magic launched. We all remember that. And it went into early access over the Labor Day weekend. And they got left on the front page of Steam because they all went on vacation over the Labor Day weekend. And so they probably sold a lot of copies of Worlds of Magic when they really didn't deserve to. It was just on the front of Steam for that long. Well, now there is no front of Steam, right? Everybody gets their own personalized page. And so discovery is much more difficult. So I think Thea 2 has had trouble attracting a broad audience like Thea 1 did. 
but it has attracted a very loyal audience that has stuck with the game, and I don't blame them. Like, I've had four total party kills in Thea 2 so far that I've played in the 16 hours that i put into it, and I'm ready to try again because the game is that compelling. So, anyway, I played a ton of Thea 2, a little bit of World Tanks Blitz. Um, I accomplished some of my goals in that game, and so I don't feel the need to be on it as much as I used to be, so I'm playing a lot of Thea 2 instead, and I'm having a good time. Uh, Josh, do you want to talk about games you played this week? Sure. So, most of the game I've been playing is called My Job is Trying to Kill Me. Um, I haven't had a lot of time for actual games <laughs> of that game. That's a live-action game, isn't it? It is. It's a first-person shooter. Um, so, um, I did play... I, look, uh, I could be in a coma probably still be playing hearthstone um, awesome so i've been playing a lot of hearthstone and i finally got a chance to play gathering storm for civ 6 and i enjoyed that quite a bit um but because i haven't been having playing a lot of games i'm gonna quickly talk about something that's gonna feel a little off topic but i don't think it is I actually think it's really on topic uh so this past weekend i got the chance to attend asco which is uh stands for the american society of clinical oncology Every year they have a major conference in Chicago at McCormick Place, which is the largest conference center in the country by about 2 million square feet. Um, and it is a conference, obviously, for oncology. And all the major pharmaceutical companies are there. They have booths. It's like a video game conference, but for oncology drugs. Only uh, pharmaceutical companies have a lot more money to spend on conventions than even EA or your large video game company. You can imagine the kinds of tech that I got to see while I was at ASCO. I got to see um, several uh, three-dimensional holograms that were being used, some of them bigger than wow. me, uh, that were really impressive using this technology that uses multiple, what looks like multiple spinning fans to create a three-dimensional image um, that looks like it's coming right off the wall. It moves, you can do sound. I saw something that looked like basically like a movie preview, but in three dimensions really incredible um i saw another thing where they built a wall out of cubes little white cubes that could move and adjust and could stretch and turn and grow and then they projected on that so if something came across on the top that they wanted to bring forward the cubes in the middle would come forward to form the title while everything else stayed back so it was like a three-dimensional projection wall um i also saw a bunch of very obviously huge curved screens things that you wouldn't have believed even a few years ago were possible, all in 4K. Um, and also some very interesting things as far as interaction with um, uh, with digital media. So, for example, one company wanted to talk about the different products that they were developing in oncology and the way that they had organized their materials by tumor type, which basically is where the cancer is happening. So whether it's, um, you know, in uh, the general urinary system, which is like kidneys, um, or whether it's in the brain or whether it's in the lungs. And to access each of that information, what you had to do is pick up a sphere. And each of the spheres was labeled that tumor type. And inside it, it was clear there was a shape that represented that area. And they placed it in a sort of a curved center. And that allowed you to access that information. It was sort of minority reportish where you would take a ball and put it in the center. And the center would read the ball and then present you the information. So a little bit off topic, but I think a lot of the new tech that we see at kinds of conventions, honestly, it's a little weird to say, but you should go to an oncology convention. You actually see a lot of really cool tech that um, helps inspire and think about where gaming is and where gaming can go um, based on the sort of technology that you see. So not a gaming trip, but still a very interesting trip. I do think it kind of uh, helped inform how I think about games. Well, that was interesting. I cannot say that I did anything that cool. This past week, but I finished all my stuff for work on time, so I got to game this weekend. And I played, obviously, I played some Battletech Urban Warfare. So let me tell you what this mission was that was uh, rubbing me the wrong way. What was rubbing me the wrong way, one of the issues that you have in Battletech is that your lance, a.k.a. your squad, on your mission is always maxed out at four. So you can only have four mechs on a mission. On any given mission, when reinforcements come in, depending on the mission type, uh, you can have one, two, I've had three come in. Now, on this new mission, which is uh, 
protect and destroy, I believe it's called. You're protecting a particular spot. You're trying to get go out and destroy another another spot, another like base to stop constant reinforcements from coming in. And you have uh, a neutral faction helping you protect your base. You're working in tandem with somebody. And the mechs that were given to the neutral faction were weak. The AI played them poorly. If I would have just given it a second lance, it would have been that much better. And the reinforcements were brutal. So even though this mission is like four and a half skulls, it should actually be closer to 12 skulls because it was a crazy mission, crazy difficult. I had to evacuate and lose that mission because of that, because this is my long campaign. I have a lot of top tier mechs. I have a lot of uh, veteran pilots. I was taking a beating like I haven't taken in a long time. So I'm hoping that moving forward, they fix it, adjust a little bit, or maybe they, they've been talking about doing um, mod support, having um, the workshop integration into the game. So I hope somebody puts out a mod that lets you take two uh, into these types of mission, lets me take two lances, and then it'll be, I feel a little bit more fair. Having said that, I'm really enjoying all this new content, the verticality of the game, the uh, just... This, this damage that you're inflicting on the whole environment, just, I don't know, I love it. It's it's like a kaiju game where you're giant monsters, except the monsters are your mechs. It's a blast, literally. So the other game I've been playing like you, Troy, is Thea 2, and I'm enjoying it. I have not had full, full um, group wipes for a long time, but I played quite a bit during early access, so I figured out the mechanics. They've made a lot of changes. So challenges that are mental or uh, spiritual are quite a bit more powerful than they used to be. And you had mentioned that earlier that you're coming up against that. And that is, I, I kind of like that because it kind of makes sense. Thea, Thea 2 is a horror game. We're not, you're dealing with, it's a post-apocalypse, post, it's a post-fantastic apocalypse and you're dealing with the horror, like the most horrible things possible, gods and demons, and you can't tell who the good guy is in some amazing, or girl, in some amazing missions. And like in my current game, um, I recruited a dwarf. So one of the things I like to do when I make friends with the other factions is when I get an option to recruit, is that I recruit kids. I don't recruit adults. And the reason I do that is because if you like have good luck and equip the kid right you have more options as to what this kid can grow up to be so i had one with a dwarf that for some reason had a lot of um it wasn't mysticism it was destiny it's one of the traits so when this dwarf when it was time for this dwarf to grow up i sent i sent this kid back to the dwarven lands and he comes back as a lava troll how cool is that? That's pretty cool. I, yeah. I have to post the pictures on Steam. I haven't uploaded because I'm afraid of uh, ruining my save. So that's one. In another one, I'm playing um, my deity is Lada, and uh, they added all these new quests. And one, and I've never it's never happened to me before. So this is the first time I experienced this particular thing. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. So because my chosen was doing so many things according to like. Um, lot of you know making peace with the right factions i wasn't just fighting everybody i was always trying to find ways to find workarounds for encounters so then this one particular question resulted in my chosen having an interaction with lotta directly and she got lotta's blessing and basically what lotta told her is that one of your children in the future is going to be special so when that happens, just let them be kind of like when that choice appears, just choose it. And I was just like, okay, that is really weird. When it happened, that it became basically, um, I can't think of, the, I can't, I don't remember what they're called. A beguiler. That's what they are. The male merman. You know the ones. Oh, I'm really? Wow. That's yeah, so cool. Now I have a beguiler. And then in another quest, so they added all of these. So. They have all these different, like, they have the woodkin, and then they have the night demons, and then they have the night folk and these things. So I've been completely, for some reason, unable to recruit any elves. Just no luck. That, that option does not pop. But I'm really, I got, I did a lot of good stuff for the night folk. So I found the night folk village on uh, the uh, frozen island, the Arctic island, and I was, I was able to recruit a shadow elf. 
who is really cool. So it's like I'm getting all these cool things. Like so when I'm reading on Steam or seeing people complaining about Theo, it's brutal. And I mean, I'm playing. My difficulty is like 150% or 175% or something like that. And I still and I'm and this is the first time I tried not building any villages. So I just have my caravan basically traveling across the various continents, I suppose, islands, continents, whatever you want to call them. And I have like 38 members of like everything there. And wow, that's really incredible because the most I've had is 10. Oh, no, no. And I just keep getting wiped out. Oh, I'm like, I I got like, I'm I'm playing on an easier level than you. Like my difficulty is 136 percent. I'm just getting creamed. I'm just getting creamed. I think I think so. what you need to do is you need to equip your people better to handle the the other cha- the purple and yellow challenges. Because yeah, that, that that's, that's, that's what it is. Me. Like yeah, the the particularly the spiritual challenges yep. just like decimate my group. And there's like you you kind of have to choose your path. And if you don't choose right early in the game, you're gonna get you're gonna get crushed. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, Nate, is there anything else you want to say before we close this one up? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so um, a big thank you to our listeners, to our patrons for supporting us, to the people that are participating in our new Discord channel. So, and again, thanks to Rob for helping set it all up and uh, to um, just our Steam group. And uh also, a big thank you for being patient with us with the website issues we had recently. There's still, I think, one or two little things that need to be addressed. But other than that, it should be back to where it was. I mean, I'm still trying to get the calendar right so we can show the release versus just the calendar. And um, I think that's it. And thank you. Hey, Joshua, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate having you on. My pleasure. Always happy to hang out with you guys. Yeah, it's it's always good to have you, Josh. And uh, we just like to thank everyone for joining us this week on the Weekly Exchange. This has been Troy, Nate, and Josh for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.
Thank you.